0: Really moving from this place of a friend group to a formalized business to structure. But the beautiful thing about structure is that there's very clear understanding.
1: You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikaela Matthews-O'Kome. So let's get started hey hey guys welcome welcome back to the show today in the guest chair we have imani ellis the founder of CultureCon and the creative collective nyc a community and creative agency dedicated to facilitating brave spaces for multicultural creatives born in imani's one-bedroom apartment as a means to foster meaningful connections the CCNYC has since become the fastest growing community devoted to creatives of color in NYC who are looking to cultivate relationships that go beyond the business card. The CCNYC's marquee event is CultureCon, the fastest growing conference dedicated to creatives of color. Past speakers include heavyweights like Tracy Ellis Ross, Will Smith, Regina King, Spike Lee, John Legend, and more. In addition to community events, The Creative Collective also works as an impactful creative agency, ideating creative strategies that resonate with multicultural creatives and young professionals, and bridging the gap between brands and these multicultural creatives. Through all of this, would you believe that Imani is still a side hustler? Let's get right into the episode to find out how she's juggling an impressive career and a game-changing side hustle. Welcome to the guest chair, Imani. Hi, thank you for having me. I really appreciate you being here. Now, first things first, you got to give us a peek into the life of Imani. What was your first experience with side hustling?
0: Well, you know, it kind of really just happened by mistake. I um, have a full time job at NBC Universal and love my job, but really kind of wanted to hone in on the community. I I really felt like to be in a city with millions of people and millions of creatives that, like, I lacked the community that I had had in college. When you go to the cafeteria or you go to the quad and everyone is there. And so... I invited some friends over to my house, and it was really meant to be um, a very casual but intentional meetup. And the only requirement was to bring someone you can vouch for. It was my apartment; couldn't have phone chargers being stolen. And so <laughs> it was—it was twenty people, and you know, each of those twenty people brought someone that they really thought could benefit from that environment. And So it was forty people total. We all went around the room saying, you know, um, I kind of feel this way at work or I could really use a graphic designer or does anyone know how to start a business plan? And from there, um, you know, they kind of were like, you should do this more. And me just being who I am, I was like, I'm going to do it every month. And that was how the creative collective was born.
1: So I am reading your background and you have such, I mean, everyone has like an interesting background, right? But it's not often that I meet someone who Was in the Nutcracker. So as a matter of fact, you danced ballet for 14 years. You were the first African-American to star as Clara in the Nutcracker in the Atlanta Ballet's 75-year history. Now, how did that experience, in addition to the fact that you ran track, you know, you're very much an athlete. How does that inform the stamina you have to be a side hustler, to work at NBC and, and start the Creative Collective?
0: You're like the best researcher ever. I love that you know that. I'm so glad that you brought up, you know, dance and track because I'm just really realizing now what a profound effect they've had on my life. Um, you know, you really are learning that the endurance and the strength and all of the exercises are necessary for the end result. And so I was dancing six days a week, my mom, my dad, my sisters, all driving an hour down to Atlanta Ballet uh, for rehearsals and point. And I did ballet for 14 years. So it was really a huge part of my life, the self-discipline, just all of the character that it builds. And I, I can see it today because really the motto is that You don't stop when you're tired. You stop when the job is done. And I think, you know, of course, there's always a balance between working hard and burning out. But there is definitely that drive that I think a lot of times uh, pushes me through because I've got an athlete mentality. I I, sometimes I almost am so confused when people don't want to finish what they started. Now, if you decide to pivot that is everyone's right. But just to say, oh, I think I'm done. I can't relate because I, I think from being an athlete, from being a hurdler, from being a ballerina, that's just not in my DNA. I really want to see things through.
1: Oh, wow. I, I feel you on that because when people tell me they want to do something and I ask them about it and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they're not even working on it. <laughs> You're like, I can't right. take you like, seriously. You? Right? Why what even put it out there? So
0: right So
1: speaking of that and side hustling, now it started in your apartment. I think that's so cool. Did you have a mission for it early on of what it could become?
0: Part of me thinks the blessing was that I didn't think it could become anything. It really was. I didn't really set out to start something. I set out to stop something. And what I wanted to stop was this idea that you had to compartmentalize you know, who you were, that if I was a publicist, I couldn't have a community. Or if I wanted to, you know, do this, that meant that I could not do that. I really wanted this place where you could decide to be a banker by day and an artist by night, and that you weren't kind of on this trap that sometimes we get into where it's like, okay, I guess this is the rest of my life. I'm just gonna, you know, work at this place and clock these hours, or, you know, I can't ever change my mind. And so, You know, I think the beautiful thing is, you know, that we were really trying to create something that we didn't see. And, you know, I was able to really kind of bring my friends into this idea and, you know, with all of their insights, even make it even bigger. And, you know, now looking back, uh, you know, I'm kind of like, man, I had no idea. Um, that it was going to turn into a business. But over time, it became very evident that this was not just a little kind of monthly meetup, that this was kind of a necessity and that there was a white space uh, in New York City for it. And it's, it's been such an amazing ride, honestly.
1: What I love about what you do is you give people permission to be themselves. We often kind of fall into making our career, our title, our identity. It's what people often ask us when we meet them for the first time. Hey, what do you do? Where do you work? All that good stuff. And it gives us pride, right? So a lot of our identity starts to meld into that, what we do for work. However, we all have multi-passions and this show hopes to highlight a lot of that. I hope to help people to, uh, to embrace their different quirks and things that they're interested in and pursue that. And so this space you created in your apartment started that. It started to help the banker be able to say, Hey, I'm actually a musician. I know it sounds crazy, but I actually, I don't want to stop doing music. So I do both now. You decided to take it from your apartment, make it the Creative Collective NYC, actually have events in an event space. How did that come about? How did you go about doing that?
0: We have to really recognize that the things that you are exceedingly great at and that come naturally to you, those are gifts. And you have to lean into them. And as a publicist, you know, by day... We are working with so many different people, and we're helping to create these larger-than-life ideas. And when we first started, there was no budget. There was no, you know, huge speakers. It really was just a bunch of creatives who were excited to build something bigger than themselves. And so, you know, we couldn't pay for a venue, but... What we did have was this budding community. And so we were bartering things left and right. Like, we'll give you an Instagram takeover um, if you let us do an event at your space. And so it started out, you know, these events with a hundred people. And I think what felt different is, you know, exactly what you just touched on. We didn't ask you to come with a business card. We wanted to know if you had seen the latest episode of Insecure. We wanted to know what your favorite food was. And people were like, wait this isn't transactional. You Wait, we're going to talk about things that are more than just my nine to five and then you're going to ask me what I'm passionate about. It just felt like you could take your cool off, be yourself and people were really hungry for it. And so one event turned to two event and we were always asking our community, what do you want next? So it was always just building upon the natural kind of desires of what our community wanted. So when they said, we want to talk about financial literacy, we partnered with Bank of America to bring them in and talk about small business loans. And when they said, you know, we really want to talk about love and relationships, we partnered with BET and did a conversation all about what it feels like to date as a millennial. And so I think one of the things that we always want to stay true to and one of the things that have really fueled our growth is just really staying in touch with our community and what they want, and not kind of getting too far ahead of ourselves that we're not really sure this is aligned with what our community really is wanting at the moment.
1: How big was the initial team at that point?
0: Originally, it wasn't really a team at first. It was me with, like, a made-up kind of, like, logo. And, you know, (laughs) I was someone that I was like, okay, it's starting. So I just started the Instagram, and I'm posting on it. Um, And then I remember asking kind of my immediate group of friends, hey, guys, you know, I'm starting this collective. Do you want to help volunteer and help us throw some events? And from time to time, we'll meet, and, you know, it'll kind of be our own little, like, book club situation except for – will really kind of lean into how we can build each other up. And so, uh, I mean, it had to have been maybe six of us. So, um, you know, it was my immediate friend circle. And the most beautiful thing was they all said yes. They all bought in. And I mean, that was a beautiful thing because you had Nabila and Michael and Lily and Kiana, Janae, you um, All there from the very beginning. And so then that team, of course, grew and grew and grew. Right now, you know, we have a team of nearly 25 people across all of our platforms. But
1: originally, it was probably like five of us. So what interests me about this is it takes a really steady mind, an organized mind with attention to detail to pull off events that makes it look like you have a bigger, more formalized team than you actually do. (laughs) (laughs) So kudos to you. And also from the outside looking in, it seems like early on you had major partnerships. How did you go about that?
0: You know, we did our first, our first culture con Uh, and it was a 100, maybe 20 people. And that was all just people kind of being like, we don't know what a culture con is, but (laughs) we're not going to give you any money, but we'll, like, give you a free space, or we'll donate some, like, granola bars and some liquor. And so everything was in kind donations. And, you know, it was just being like, please, please, please believe in us. And people were like, yeah, we kind of believe in you. Like, we're not about to put our name on this just yet. And so at the first culture con... Everything was in kind. And we noticed two things. One, that the waiting list had nearly 500 people on it for CultureCon. And two, that there were some awesome people there from HBO who were like, wait, this is really great. Like, could you do something like this with us? And I'm like, huh? Yes. And that was really the beginning was them believing in us from the beginning. Um, And from there, that was our first partnership. And it was a major one. And I'm always kind of, you know, amazed when I look back, because I really always had dreamt of this world where my friends and I were creating something that we had never seen before. And so we just wanted to lean into programming that we weren't seeing conversations that we weren't seeing. And the beautiful thing was, it was just exactly what we wanted. We sat in these conference rooms, we brainstormed all these topics that we wanted to talk about. And I think the beautiful thing was that the people came because they wanted to talk about it too. And that's always just been, I think our North Star is, you know, the beautiful Mm -hmm. thing is like, it's trendy. And I think the, the other beautiful thing is that it's not a trend. Like, we clearly drive culture and the fact that our brand partners have caught up to that and the fact that everything is changing and there's never been more opportunity. It's just, it's just the new frontier. And we're, you know, now that our foot's in the door, we're about to kick it open. We're never leaving.
1: Okay. So I know different groups of friends who band together and say, we're going to create this thing. We, we don't see this out there. We want to do these kind of events. And I also don't see them creating something on the scale of Culture Con. So we got to back up a little bit. We have to back up a little bit and talk through the buildup to such a scale. So for example, when you started doing the collective, the creative collective, And you initially started having events. Did you charge for those? Did you have a revenue model um, in the early days? No,
0: we didn't charge for our events in the early days. A lot of our events today, we still don't charge for. um, We really want to make sure... Um, that when we say we're for the community, that everyone has access to it, Culture con, of course, is the exception. And every now and then we'll have very specific events that are charged for. But a lot of our events um, are free because they're educational based. and we want everyone to be able to come. In the beginning, same thing. I, I I call it the apartment syndrome. I have to be honest, for a very long time. I didn't think that people cared or that they would come. I kind of had the reverse. I, you know, I know some sometimes, you know, people, They've been the founder of something for two days, and it's already in their bio. They're already <laughs> like, they're right. already out here like, I'm the CEO and founder. I was the opposite. Like, I just put Creative Collective and CultureCon in my bio like three months ago because I had this complex that I was like, three
1: months ago. Oh what? yeah. Oh yeah. Oh
0: yeah. I I my friends were like, "Money, what are you?" What? I mean, they. Ha- I just had this complex that I was like. Is anyone going to come? Does anyone even care? These kind of things kind of already sort of exist.
1: Yeah, I can relate. Yep. It's like
0: my own worst enemy, if I'm being completely honest, for such a long time. Because, because it had not started in my mind as a business or a conference. It had started as this very small thing. A lot of times I got in my own way. And you know, on the surface level, maybe it looks like humility, but it also was just kind of like this self doubt that I had to push through because I was like, "Are people?" I literally was like, "Are people going to come this year at CultureCon?" I turned to one of my friends, Michael, and I, I said, "You know, Michael is our community outreach lead, and he's been a day one." And I said, "Michael, is anyone going to come?" <laughs> he said, Ima- "Imani, Tracy Ellis Ross is on her way. What are you talking about?" And so. <laughs> I decided then and there I will not ask that question anymore. It we're beyond it, and yep. um, I, I say that all to say that like I really think that I'm finally in this place where I can I can stand in it. But it took me a very long time to acknowledge that it wasn't in my apartment
1: anymore. It was kind of weird. Well, when did you realize that you you needed to charge? You know, you needed to have some events and have a revenue model.
0: I think you know it came to it that we we really we really like to look at things as community first. Meaning, we're always going to make things accessible to the community, but we will charge our brand partners to have access to said community. And so, for us, you know, CultureCon is kind of like the big honcho ticket that we present every year, um, and that drives. You know, a lot of our conversations. But, you know, what we also realized is that out of all these partnerships we were doing, that it really made sense to, you know, form a vertical that was an agency that really specifically worked with our brand partners to bring their dreams to life. And so that is a huge driver in terms of, you know, our business. And um, we've been really fortunate to work with brand partners who are aligned with our mission. And so it's always, it feels like extensions of us. I mean, so oh, wow. we,
1: yeah. So, what do you mean when you say an agency? There are many different forms of agencies. So, what does it mean in the context of the creative collective?
0: So, we will work with different brand partners to to amplify their message. So, perfect example is we worked with Nike on Curl Fest, and you know they found this incredible stat that was you know something along the lines of like you know, and I'm gonna totally bosh this, but it was something like 75% of African-American women or women with curly hair will not work out right after they've gotten their hair done or will in some way kind of alter their workout routine because of their hair. And so We were brought in to partner with them to do an awesome activation where we specifically sought out women of all hair textures, super curly, coily, kinky hair. They did like a morning workout at the Nike headquarters um, led by Brianna Owens, who is a dear friend of mine and also a business owner of Spike Spin, And then they had a beauty makeover where their hair wasn't getting straightened and pressed. It was curly as ever. And we brought in some incredible hairstylists who work with curly hair. And they were able to kind of zhuzh up their hair. And then they had brunch where they could talk about, you know, just like their experiences and how, you know, hair and their workout is connected. And then we continued on to uh, CurlFest And that was an example of how we were able to partner with the brand to amplify their message. And their message was a message that we were echoing too. And so we will do partnerships like that throughout the year with different brand partners. And that's under our agency vertical.
1: Ah, okay. So you started thinking about having events and how you could do that in a way that was true to you. So still being for the community while at the same time, um, starting to, earn revenue now how did that go how did you go from there to deciding that it would be culture con
0: well so it's actually funny because
1: that seems like zero to a hundred to me
0: <laughs> it's funny because culture con you know here's the thing i love surrounding myself with people that are smarter than me and culture con is the definition of that so you've got you know Uh, Amber Mayfield, Nabila Ahmed, who are two, uh, I mean, I call them my ninjas. They are incredible uh, event planners. You know, Amber is the owner of To Be Hosted, which is a dinner series. You know, Nabila is one of my best friends. She's also the community events lead for CultureCon. So they're holding it down event logistics-wise. And then you look at our talent booker team, Eric Jones, an Emmy award-winning talent booker. You know, you've got Michael Oloide, who was leading up our digital efforts, Tannis Spencer, who um, had her films at the Tribeca Film Festival. So our team, and I think that's something that's so important, especially if you're looking to scale, is you've got to be okay with having people that are smarter than you and who have been doing their work and are able to be like, oh. Imani, have you thought about this now? You know, I'm able to kind of be, you know, the visionary and the coach and to plug and play. I'm like, oh, that doesn't really sound like us. But I have an incredible soundboard, um, you know, Desiree Talley, a uh, lawyer, Tequila White, who's doing our press. We've got just incredible uh, teammates. And I just have to make sure that that's a part of the narrative because, you know, that is how CultureCon works. I think that's how anything that's going to scale is going to work is in the beginning, I was cutting out, you know, the letters to go on the wall. And I'll I'll never forget Tequila walked over and literally pried the scissors out of my hand, because she goes, Amani, we've got volunteers for that. And so that is really kind of how we've been able to produce something that's, that's so meaningful and bigger than all of us is that there are weekly meetings. And we run this conference like we are at NBC Universal. There are deadlines. There is, you know, it is a very well-oiled machine, and it has to be because the best compliment I get every year is you all run on time. And there is nothing better than the shock and surprise that a conference fully fueled by Black creatives Starts on times, ends on times. The speakers that we say are going to be there are there. Those are all things that are so important to me because we need to have more representation of what that can look like. And the fact that I look to my right and I look to my left and it's my friends who are doing their things. I'm not in their lane. It's just a beautiful, beautiful uh, collaborative effort.
1: For those who haven't been, how would you describe CultureCon in your own words?
0: I would say that CultureCon is a 360 degrees conference, meaning we really want to cater to a full life. If you are looking to become an entrepreneur, if you decide that a nine to five is for you, if you want to kind of be inspired by those who are doing both, there's a little bit for everyone. Um, I think, you know, we really wanted to create something that felt like a creative homecoming, that you could come and again feel like you were home immediately because everyone there is ready to meet you everyone there is kind of there under this same um notion that we're uh, we're stronger together
1: so you touched on this briefly and i am really curious about this because as you said you in your mind it's a you know something that started in your apartment living room and you still think of it that way but from the outside looking in I'm here just marveling because I know it's your side hustle, and I'm like, how are they doing this? How how is this happening? How do they have a keynote from Tracy Ellis Ross, <laughs> uh,
0: Eric, so, Jones. Eric right, Jones? Right, right.
1: <laughs> so, how, wh- how do you recruit speakers? Do you have a whole team that's highly connected? Like, how do you convince them, especially for something that is unknown to them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a new conference they've never heard of. Well, how do you do that?
0: Yeah. So we have a speaker team. It's led by Eric Jones. Um, Like I mentioned, Eric's been one of my closest friends at day one. He also is an Emmy award, three-time Emmy award-winning talent booker. And he and I are very close in how we just look at the world. We were working together professionally before we even became friends, me pitching him talent and him booking my talent and so that we became friends because we ran into each other at a party and someone said eric jones and i said eric jones and we've been friends ever since so eric is incredible and he leads those incredible talent conversations um, and locks into tracy ellis rosses and uh the kiki palmers it's it's really incredible on the other side Um, of it is, you know, our brand partners also bring talent with them. And so it's kind of a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But um, Eric has been a driving force. You know, our talent team is um, a very strong machine. And I think that we've also kind of been able to lean into the fact that, you know, these incredible creatives, they want to talk to the generation coming up. They want that conversation. And seeing Elaine Welteroff and Tracy Ellis Ross walk out onto the stage and being like, oh my gosh, there's 3,000 faces looking back at me. Um, that's a moment that you never forget because that's what it's for is to just show everyone that, again, like we need each other and this community that we're building is so much bigger than us but um yeah i mean we we've been blessed we've got a we've got a powerhouse team um under this engine
1: kudos to you for building and and being the glue for that powerhouse team because people want to work with people they like that they get along with you know i see lots of organizations start and then fall apart the next year even when they've produced something incredible because they don't know how to maintain these relationships (laughs) Hey guys, it's Nikayla here with a quick word from our sponsors. So the other day, I received a pair of Bomba socks. I put them on, expecting them to be comfy, of course, but I was completely blown away when I got them on my feet. It felt like my feet were surrounded by clouds, I was so impressed that I immediately dropped the other two pairs in my hospital bag. And yes, I started packing my bag for when I go into labor, all right? So let me tell you a little bit more about why these socks are so amazing. Bombas are made from super soft, natural cotton, Every pair comes with arch support, a seamless toe, and a cushioned footbed that's comfy, but not too thick. It comes in all sorts of vibrant colors, patterns, lengths, and styles, and you can rock them anywhere from the gym to the office or around the house like I do. Plus every Bombas purchase you make, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. When I put them on, I love them so much that as soon as Moyo came home, I had him try on the Bombas that I got for him. And his first words were, yo, these like hug your feet. He summarized it perfectly. We have both been wearing only our Bombas socks ever since. So I just had to share it with you guys. I love the comfort. I love the quality. I love their philanthropic mission, everything. Buy your own Bombas at bombas.com slash side hustle today and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S com/side hustle for 20% off. If you listen to my episode on how to make money podcasting, then you know that I pitched my very first sponsor six months after launching this show. And you know what else I did once I landed the contract? I invoiced them using Freshbooks. Freshbooks made it so simple. That's because FreshBooks invoicing and accounting software is designed specifically for small business owners. It's simple, it's intuitive, and it keeps you organized. FreshBooks lets you create and send professional looking invoices in 30 seconds, and then get them paid two times faster with automated online payments. Plus you can file expenses even quicker and keep them perfectly organized for tax time. And the best part? FreshBooks grows alongside your business. So you'll always have the tools you need when you need them without ever having to learn how to do accounting. Try it free for 30 days, no catch and no credit card required. Go to FreshBooks.com slash Side Hustle Pro and enter Side Hustle Pro in the how did you hear about us section to get started. Again, that's FreshBooks.com slash Side Hustle Pro and tell them Side Hustle Pro sent you. I had the experience of doing my very first live podcast event, largely in part due to my event uh, producer, Raina Campbell. And I saw everything that goes into, you know, booking speakers, putting out pitches. And now now, Imani, <laughs> we know that some of these people have very high, high, high rates. And I just want your honest perspective on how you're able to... um recruit people who are used to being paid at a certain level? Is it through your brand partnerships or are they doing it out of the love of the brand?
0: Yeah. I mean, it really is case by case, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, when you find something and I'm sure it's the same for you, when you find something that resonates with you, you're down to support it. You know what I mean? I feel like that's really what it comes down to is, you know, now more than ever, it's just so important. I think, you know, that incredible Google commercial just came out that just showed the most searched tennis player, the most searched poet, the most searched... And if they're all black, incredible creatives, there's something to be said about paying it forward. And I think that, you know, to me, it's always a beautiful thing when these larger-than-life superstars, these John Legends and Tracy Ellis Ross and Quincy and Kiki Palmer, Regina King, um, recognize that... know just as important as it is to walk you know this red carpet it's also super important for me to inspire this next generation of doers and so we've been super fortunate that um you know do we get every yes of course not but you know when we're able to kind of explain what we're doing we get buy-in from these larger than life creatives a large part of that, like I mentioned, is Eric and our talent team and a large part of that are our partnerships. But I think the biggest kind of takeaway is that they believe um, in kind of what we're building. And for me, it, it, it makes me speechless, honestly, because I am just looking at them like, huh? And they're, <laughs> they're standing backstage looking at us like, huh? And we're almost in awe of each other because they can't believe. Right, right. They, yeah, they, they can't, can't believe,
1: believe what you've created. Yeah. Yeah,
0: like they're, they're standing back and they like, okay, Wizard of Oz, like, you know, pull up the curtain. Who's really, yeah. want, like, who really put this on? And we're like, us. And we're standing there like in awe that they came, that they even came. And so it is mm-hmm. a really incredible moment because you're spending your whole time like, I can't believe you're here. And they're coming back and being like, I can't believe you've done this. And it's awesome. It really is.
1: It really is. And, You know, you leave the audience speechless. You leave people who are seeing the experience unfold on social media speechless as well. And I love the fact, I think a true sign of a leader is how they build up and big up their team. And I love the fact that you are always sharing who does what, who is responsible for everything. Because you can't do it alone. There's no way. So I love that. Now, speaking of the marketing piece, how do you guys build that anticipation to sell tickets to not only inspire people, but also say, Hey, actually come to this event, actually spend money and come on down
0: (laughs) to this event. I think, you know, we've been, we've been really fortunate. I think for us, it's been, and we always say we are our own audience. And so we're able to lean in to the humanity of ourselves and market to ourselves. And so We've got the advantage in the sense of knowing the target demographic because we are the target demographic. And so a lot of it is going back to like, okay, like what would we want out of a conference? And like, how can we amplify this experience? Like, what if? you know, a part of your lunch ticket came with tickets to a food truck, not at an additional price. Like, what if we could really amplify this experience and create CultureCon week? So now you're not just having a one day conference, like, you can have a whole week of programming. And I think we're always thinking about how can we super serve our community. And so when you think when you start there, and marketing those opportunities is kind of the easy part, because you've really been intentional about the programming, you know, sometimes I think the marketing can get hard when you know, the product, you know, maybe isn't that strong, you're going to need a lot of hype behind it. But when you're really building something that you believe in, and you're telling people, no, this, is this was built just for you, you're not going to come here and kind of feel like, oh, there's one panel about diversity. Oh, no, the, the whole conference is about you. We're not even saying diversity, because we are us like, and I feel like that's kind of, the beautiful thing about the marketing piece is we're really able to kind of just like showcase what's there. You know, Skylar is our incredible genius behind our Instagram and she is a social strategist. She gets it. Um, Michael, like I mentioned, does all of our digital marketing. And I think we're always, you know, in constant communication in terms of What are we trying to say and how can we convey this in a way that makes people realize that, you know, you don't have to change who you are before coming to this event. In fact, come exactly as you are. Wear your tennis shoes. You don't need red bottoms here. Like, we're not checking for that. We want you to be your
1: unapologetic self. I enjoyed what you just said about If you have something that's not really what you're saying it is, it's going to be hard to market it. But when you know what you're bringing to the table, it makes it that much easier. So the first step is that quality, creating that quality product, that quality service, that quality event. And- The post event, like the during the event and the post event scenes that you're seeing on Instagram, seen across social media, that speaks for itself. The FOMO aspect that will drive people to the next year's event is half the battle, right? (laughs) Like, oh, I have to be there next year. Now, at this point, are you guys able to pay yourself as a team? Is it still a labor of love?
0: Yeah, people are compensated. That is important. It's been like entrepreneurship has been so interesting in terms of really moving from this place of a friend group to a formalized business to structure. But the beautiful thing about structure is that there's very clear understanding and deliverables. And I think sometimes people are so hesitant to look at contracts and look at, you know, all of those things. But uh, I think that, Ironically, that actually provides so much clarity because then you're able to say, this is my expectation. This is, you know, what I can pay you. Is that acceptable? And you're able to have a very clear and just transparent conversation about what the expectations are. I think sometimes, you know, when you're trying to avoid it and dance around it, that's where there can be, you know, really just shaky uh, definitions of what it is. And so, I think I've really grown in terms of being able to be like, you know, upfront. These are the expectations, these are de- the deliverables, and it's always a conversation. Um, so I think just for an advice piece, you know, if it is in the beginning and it was a very big labor of love, just being upfront with those things. And then you're giving that person a choice on if they want to, you know, dedicate their time there.
1: I I hear that. And you're right. There comes a point where you have to put on your big girl pants, you know, your big guy pants and face up to the hard parts of entrepreneurship, of looking at that contract, of negotiating with someone who is your friend and having to talk about numbers and all of that. And, you know, being able to do it in a mature way where you're able to separate the two. So I know it's a shift and it's going to continue being a shift, but in order for your brand to thrive right i'm sure this is something that has to happen things have to continue to get more firm as you make money as you got to follow that money with the irs and all of that
0: <laughs> you ain't lying sis. exactly
1: <laughs> so speaking of that what have been some of the challenges as you uh, run the creative collection as you run culture con each year now and how are you dealing with them
0: I think, you know, there's there's always challenges. I think you know, in the beginning, you can get so excited that you want to do everything and you want to be a part of every conversation and you want to overserve at all times to the point of your bandwidth is just now crazy. I think you know, we have tried so many different versions and things and projects, and you know, my big kind of priority is to go deeper. Versus going wider in the sense of just really, really over delivering. And again, I think how you do anything is how you do everything. All of our events need to start on time. All of our events need to sell out. All of our speakers need to feel like they were incredibly prepped. I want everyone to be, you know, walking away from these experiences and feeling incredibly inspired. And so, that comes with a certain amount of time. In the beginning, you know, I had so many different ideas and I'm so thankful for, again, a sounding board Who's like, all right, reel it in, reel it in, reel it in. Cause I'm like, oh, we should do a podcast and we should do a content series and let's take it on the road. And there's just so many different ideas. You get so excited and you have so many people giving you ideas, but those people aren't the ones who have to do the work. So you just have to remember that it's always great to take Feedback and input, but that you have to like run the vision. You have to kind of make it plain. And I think that's something I'm really learning is, you know, take all the coffees, get all the advice, but at the end of the day, be honest with yourself in terms of what your goal is, what your vision is. Um, and then another, you know, challenge I think is kind of what we just t- touched on is really making your process a formal situation where. There is a way that we do things and there is a protocol so that everyone feels like they understand how this big machine works, Uh, because then you can empower people to make their own decisions, to be their bravest selves. And you can kind of step back and watch that happen.
1: It's funny what you said about having to vet all the ideas that come your way. And, you know, you want to remain open, but at the same time, those people are not going to be the ones doing the work. And isn't it funny how everyone else has so much time (laughs) to tell you what you should do with your brand that you started from scratch? I think that is the funniest thing because it's like I often want to be like, why don't y'all go do that? Or why don't you go start something? Like, there's nothing I hate more than a should statement coming my way. (laughs)
0: Oh, my God. Yes. Uh, I know your intentions are so, you know, they're so great. But right. I can't I can't do a pop up in Japan next year. Right, I, right. I <laughs> you should. Well, you, you should. should. You should.
1: <laughs> so now a lot of people lose money in the first two years of their business, especially when they're doing it at a scale that you are doing it. What has been your experience thus far and what are your plans to become profitable?
0: Um, Well, we are profitable. We've we've always been. And I think, you know, a a secret to that is in the beginning. And I, you know, I get a lot of people who ask about conferences and events. And um, I think, you know, the secret to that is really looking at We're talking about events specifically. Yes, give us
1: the events juice because a lot of people, I didn't mean to cut you off, but a lot of people talk about events, including me sometimes, of how expensive they can be. So what is the secret to be profitable? Yeah.
0: The secret is looking at your budget and then asking yourself, what items on this budget do I not have to pay for? Maybe I'm not getting money for it, but I'm getting an in-kind donation. So if you're looking at your budget and food For breakfast cost $3,000. Can you put together a captivating email to a local, you know, bakery and get them to donate 300 croissants and save yourself that money? Because now maybe they're not paying you in money, but you're now saving money that can go to other places. And so when we first started CultureCon, you know, we were able to kind of get Our food was donated by, you know, a local pizza parlor. Our liquor was donated by um, an incredible uh, vodka brand. We were able to get, you know, some florals donated by someone who believed in us. Now, again, there are stipulations around all these things, meaning like for CultureCon now, if we're using small vendors, we're paying them. But this isn't, you know, when we first started, we were telling them, okay. we're going to put you all over our Instagram. We don't have the budget to pay you now. But the beautiful thing is those same people are now getting paid by us. So we never departed, you know, that relationship. And that I think has kind of been something that we're very proud of is the same photographer that was helping us out three years ago now gets paid his rate three years later. And so a lot of it is just thinking about, savings and profit in a different kind of way. Like maybe you're not going to get that $5,000 sponsorship your first year of an event, but can you save $500 here? Can you save $300 there until you're not at least in the red? Even if you break even, at least you're not in the red.
1: What were your biggest takeaways from the first time hosting CultureCon that you implemented in the following years?
0: I think one one of the takeaways that we saw was really great was that These conversations, these breakout groups were incredibly important. And also that, you know, we really want as a community more access to educational and blueprint conversations like less about, you know, what time you wake up in the morning and more about, you know, when did you get your first lawyer? should i sign this nda don't commingle your funds this is how you can save money you know when you're first starting out those kind of conversations that are really just transparent which is another reason that i'm just so obsessed with your your podcast because i think this is what we need more of people being very transparent in terms of hey like if you're putting together a huge event you know let's be realistic you're probably not going to make a huge amount of money your first year but your goal could be to be as close to breaking even as you possibly can, because then now you're able to use that first year as a case study for the next year to get sponsors.
1: How do you juggle all of this? How are you juggling um, having a successful career and also growing a impactful side hustle on this at the same time?
0: I think you know it is a perfect storm of a few things. I think it is having a really strong team, having a really strong work ethic, uh, God's favor, and also being able to step back sometimes and be like, okay, tonight I'm watching Netflix and I will get back to it tomorrow. But I really do think that this must win mentality is something that I've always had, my mom always jokes in high school, you know, I would I was a part of like five different clubs and she'd be like, Imani, like, can you just do like three? Like, why do you need to be in five clubs? And she'd say, okay, pick which one is overwhelming you. Maybe you can take one off your plate. And so I would, I would take something off my plate. Then the next week I would have joined the play and started, you know, track practice and she'd be like, wait, what? And so as much as I try to resist it, I think this is who I've always been is someone who really wants to contribute. I want to contribute. And when I first started, you know, I thought that I would be a part of a board of an existing community or an existing platform. And I went around to a few and I, you know, went to some meetings and I just thought, you know, hmm, if I were running this event, we would have started on time. Or if I was running this event, I would have asked questions that were a little bit deeper. Or if I were running this event, I would have loved to have small breakout groups so that we could have talked about what we just discussed. And so then I just was like, okay, so listen, don't go to all of these things and have such an opinion. Like, do something about it. And that really was the catalyst was I think that that athletic ballet past of mine uh, will always be a part of of who I am.
1: As you were speaking, (laughs) a thought just popped into my head and then it went back. (laughs) 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 Oh, my gosh. But what I will ask is, if you had a chance to start the CCNYC all over again, is there anything you would do differently? such a good question if
0: I could start it all over again I think I would have before I started a business I would have consulted someone who was a business owner I didn't talk to anyone before I I didn't get any advice um and now I love advice but I, because I didn't start it with a business in mind, I started it as a community. I wasn't, to be quite honest, very like preoccupied with things. that's like articles of organization and, you know, forming my LLC. My dad had to, beg me to start an LLC I was like dad it's not a business he was like Amani just just okay fine it's not a business fine it's not a business can you please start an LLC and I was like dad like there's no (laughs) point every day he was like did you do your LLC did you do your LLC and finally just to get him to stop I started an LLC Mm -hmm. but that's kind of how I was approaching things I was like I mean and so I would have definitely been a lot more kind of like wait just in case Let's get these assets together. Um, You know, the LLC was formed and we did not commingle funds and everything is everything. But uh, I'm very thankful that I had, you know, that guidance around me that could see something before I could see it.
1: What's next for the CCNYC?
0: So we're so excited. We just announced that CultureCon will be returning to New York City on 10-10-2020. And we are going to Atlanta for the first time on May 16th, 2020. So we are taking CultureCon on the road. Atlanta is where I am from. And so we are so excited for all of, you know, the excitement that comes with a new city and just really excited for what the year comes. Every time we plan for something, you know, God decides, you know, he has his own plans. And I'm always, I used to be very skeptical and scared of that. And now I'm just like, all right, we are taking it as it comes. So we're, we're super excited about that.
1: I am excited about that too. And I'm excited for what that means for, you know, you guys, because it, That's a whole, you know, another task to put on another major conference in a different city. So congrats on growing. I am rooting for you guys and, you know, just can't wait to see it all unfold. So now we're going to transition into the lightning round. You just answer the very first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Ready. All righty. Number one, what is a resource that has helped you in your side hustle that you can share with a side hustle pro audience? Ooh, Fiverr. All right. Number two, what's been the best business book that has directly helped you in business?
0: Uh, dear founder, it's amazing.
1: All righty. Number three, what is a non negotiable part of your daily routine? Eating. <laughs> I don't, for some reason, that popped into my mind too as I was saying the question. <laughs> I
0: love to eat. Oh, I could talk about food. All I was day. like, I would
1: totally say food to this question. Okay. Number four, <laughs> what is a personal habit that has helped you significantly with your side hustle?
0: I still handwrite my list. I don't use apps.
1: Ooh, And then finally, what is your parting advice for fellow side hustlers who are juggling the side hustle, juggling the main hustle?
0: You might think that you have to wait for your side hustle to be perfect for you to present it to the world, but nothing can be critiqued until you start. So just start.
1: All right. I love that. And with that, where can people connect with you and the CCNYC and CultureCon after this episode? For sure, you guys can check us out on
0: Instagram. I'm at Imani Imani, and the CCNYC is at the CCNYC.
1: All right, you guys, and there you have it.